Welcome to the South Beta Podcast, episode number de, two. Uh, <laughs> For our non-French speaking listeners. Si tu veux, je peux dire le tout en français. I'm really not that good at French. I don't even know if I just what I said was was valid. But uh, je suis un baguette. <laughs> Okay, South Bay to Podcast, your source for climbing-related news based out of San Francisco's South Bay. Is that better than last time? It might have been. I've been working on it. It might it might have been uh, more accurate. Yeah, last time was like, well, I mean, this, the purpose remains the same. Like, I'm not, you know, deluding the purpose or losing the purpose. I'm just saying we need to catch your phrase. Yeah, I mean, you threw it out there right at the beginning. This podcast is going to be good for a general audience for about 45 to 55% of the time. In the other 45 to 55% of the time, it's going to be very specific to the people that live in this area. I think that's true. I also feel like, uh, you know, the people so far that I've forced to listen to this podcast, <laughs> very few of them are actually either climbers or climbing the South Bay. Wow, okay. <laughs> but I do have a lot of fun forcing people to listen to it. Um, so so <laughs> that's, that's exactly what we want. Our entire audience is only <laughs> under threat of violence. It's not violence. I don't threaten. I threaten annoyance. Like I'm an annoyance. Like I'm a perfect. You've had experience with this. I'm a professional annoyance. Are you? Do you get paid for it? Or no, not really. I just do it. You're just goodness, a, uh, a dedicated amateur. Um, yeah. No. So just uh, I'm Zach, and I'm here with my awesome rock jock co-host, uh, Doctor Evan, Mister Pierce. Can you pick a name for this podcast? Are we South Beta or is this Rock Jocks? I'm no. not a fan of Rock Jocks. We are South Beta podcast, but we are Rock Jocks as in we climb. It comes from Cliffhanger. If you really want to go back, Rock Jocks comes from Cliffhanger, which is one of my favorite childhood movies. As does the piton gun. B- bolt gun. <laughs> it's a bolt gun. It's a piton gun. They call it a bolt gun. He's like, I need my bolt gun and ice axe. That's what he says throughout the entire movie. I need my bolt gun and ice axe. And then somehow it's like auto-reloading, and he like kills people by shooting it four times. Like, it makes no sense. Are you sure it's a bolt gun? That's what they say it is. You want to, we have the, I have the movie on my phone. We can watch it after the podcast. Okay, we'll watch it. And I, th- I think, because I, I remember relatively clearly that it was a piton gun. <laughs> piton is way too long to say in a movie. They would not say piton. You trying to send him up there, man, without his piton gun? You crazy? It's bolt gun and ice axe. Okay. Uh, um, I think we should have some sort of bet related to podcast number three uh, based on the outcome of who remembered Cliffhanger correctly. Okay. What do you want the stakes to be? I have no idea. You want know, maybe think of something before the end of this? I will think of something right now. If I win, if I, it is bolt gun, you got to take me for weekend climbing. Wow. That's an interesting stake. Uh, I will provide food and transportation and maybe even, like, lodgings, but you have to guide me. Okay, fine. And then if I win, I get to take your van on a weekend climbing trip. Done. (laughs) I don't have to bring you. Done. (laughs) Because I know I'm going to (laughs) win. Okay. Uh... So we can talk about vans, because that's definitely a topic. It's not on our list of things to discuss today, but we can talk about vans. But first, Yeah, well, you just uh, went on a road trip in your van. I did. So, so my, my question was going to be, like, climbing update. So I'll do my climbing update, and then I'll ask you for yours. I have okay, not okay. been climbing that much because I have been traveling. So um, since our last episode, I've done a couple of days in the gym. And then my brother came into town, uh, and we did this amazing road trip from here all the way up to Vancouver, and then back down. It was raining for most of the trip. The whole goal was to surf. Uh, we got two days in the water. I had never surfed before. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it, was, it was great. It was a lot of fun. I actually really, really enjoyed it, and I can't wait to go surfing again. It's just hard for me to find time. Um, but, yeah, I had a blast, and uh, the storm was awesome. We got to La Push, and we were about to get in the water, and I'm like, this looks gnarly. My brother's like, yeah, it's not that bad. We're going to go out and do it. I'm like, we should go ask somebody. So we went and found a cop. And the cop's like, yeah, you can go out there, but we'll call the Coast Guard on you. And you'll have to pay a fine. So surf at your own risk. I was like, you know, fuck, I'm not going, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm not that familiar with surfing. Is, is that the case all the time, though? Like, you go out there and you can't get back. They call the Coast Guard. Yes, but there was like a, there was like a storm of the century was coming in, you know? The guy was saying you could go point break yourself, you know, like a 50-year storm. But uh, it wasn't that bad, but, right, but, right, but they right. definitely talked us out of it. We did on the road trip stop at Planet Granite, Portland, and uh, I would like to say that in um, response to my last podcast episode that we did, uh, they do have locks in the counter now. I was really excited to see them. I sent you a picture. You didn't know what you were looking at, but they do, they do have locks now, and... 
they solved that problem. Excellent. I, uh, I'm not surprised. That's not a difficult thing to do. Uh, and I well, know that occasionally retail places run out of the things that we want to buy. So I, I definitely feel like our podcast helped them have locks when I showed up. Like, I'm not 100% sure that that's what happened, but I feel like there's a chance that that could have been what happened. I feel like that is in no way the case. <laughs> well, I think that there is a, a somewat general demand, low low level but consistent demand for locks at a place that has lockers but does not provide locks for them. And uh, and Granite Portland, the uh, the wonderful team up there managed to find a solution to that. In response to my podcast comment that they needed to solve it. I doubt that that was the, the comment that uh, triggered this change. It's possible. Even if it was a change. I'm just saying it could be possible. And I'm going to... My, my question to you is, did you when you visited PG Portland previously, you, you mentioned that it wasn't open yet. Well, the first time I visited, it wasn't opened. Okay. The second time I visited, it was open, and I climbed, and they didn't have locks. Ah, okay, fair and, enough. And then this was the third and the fourth time I visited, but I didn't do any climbing. I went in and took showers because I was on a road trip, and it's a great... You didn't climb at all? I didn't... My brother didn't want to climb. He wanted to surf, so we went surfing. All right, all right. I would like to have done more climbing, but the good news is is I realized that I can get back up there in less than a day of driving, so I'm going to go back up there. I have a van now, so. Yeah. I think it's actually pretty convenient to be able to sleep in your vehicle uh, for road trips because, you know, you can, especially if you're going climbing, like if you want to do a trip that's like, it's a long drive, but you can break it up. Yeah. You can You can like, all right, I'm leaving after work on Friday night. Do a full day of work, get out early ish, five thirty, hit the road at six o'clock, or if you're trying to avoid traffic, hit the road at eight o'clock. Just drive till you're tired, crawl on the back, sleep, get yeah. up, drive the rest of the way there. You know, you be there at ten o'clock, time for ready for a full day of climbing, and you got a wonderful night's <coughs> sleep in your uh, your cushy uh, cushy van dwelling. Yeah, with uh, I have an obscene mattress in the back of mine. So like I, I took a Casper mattress and cut ten inches off so it fit like in the back. It was a full, so I cut it down. And so like I have a full on Casper mattress in the back of my van, which is very convenient. But I did I did get another mattress from House of Foam uh, for whoever travels with me that fits in the in the alleyway. So like, you know I have my mattress and they have theirs. I will pretend that I understand what you're referring to when you say Casper mattress. You don't know what a Casper is. I don't, and I don't well, think hopefully we need some, to go into that. Hopefully someday we'll be sponsored by them because they do sponsor a lot of podcasts, and uh, they're just a premium mattress. They're, it's a really good memory foam mattress. Okay. Anyways, um, so that's why I haven't been climbing. I got one day in last week, and then when I got back, I got one day in last week, and then I had hack day on Thursday, Friday, which means uh, at my company I didn't, I didn't sleep. I just I climbed like 6 to 7.30 on Thursday morning, then went to work and didn't go home and go to bed again until Friday at 5. So it was like 36 hours of writing software. That sounds potentially stimulating. I don't know. It was unbelievably fun. I was working on a whole bunch of technologies I'm not <coughs> going to go into because it's completely unrelated to our concepts here. But, um, yeah, it was fun. It was intense. It's, it, think of it as like climbing a you know 30-plus pitch lead climb outdoors. I don't know. I've never done that, but I would feel like that's what it's like. I've never done that either. I think the most pitches I've ever climbed uh, on in one route is probably like in the, in the low teens. Low teens? Did you sleep on the wall? No, I've never slept on the wall. Does it scare you? Uh, no, not at all. Okay. I'm a little scared by it. I would like to someday do it, but I'm a little scared by it. You, you, you sleep with your harness on, right? Yeah. Uh, you can take the leg loops off and just sleep with the, the belt on. That's usually, I think, what people do for comfort. But, uh, yeah, you don't take your harness off when you're up there. Yeah, so that's really kind of scary. And then, like, you're, you're, you're on one, like, normally you're on one crack, right? You do have multiple uh, attachment points, but you're on, like, one seam. So if one piece of rock were to fall off, like, your whole thing's gone. Uh, that is, in fact, not normally the case. Really? Yeah, for the, exactly the reason you mentioned. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> uh, you know, occasionally you may be on a climb and there's only one option, so you'll put all your pieces into one crack or something like that, but 
Um, you know, that's that's more of a rare circumstance, an so exception rather than the rule. Most okay. of the time, uh, when you're building a trad anchor, you're trying to make sure that you're using um, multiple rock features for redundancy. Okay, well, that's <coughs> that's exciting. Um, so that's my climbing update. What have you been climbing? I, I was hoping that after our last episode, you would be inspired to get back in shape and like start driving to you know climb thirteens. I was wondering if you started that or. Um, well, I went out to Jailhouse, which is a uh, climbing area. You know, not I wouldn't say necessarily local to the Bay Area, but it's like one of the crags where you can get some hard hard sport climbing in. That is reasonable day trip distance it takes me about two hours two hours and 15 minutes to get out there so i can do it in a day and uh i went out there and got my butt kicked which is what i expected it's my first time out there and uh it's a kind of place you can't really build a lot of fitness for in the gym mm-hmm. you're talking like generally long very overhung physical climbing routes is it a lot of face or a lot of crack it's all face climbing okay i mean there may be an occasional route here or there where you do something that's a jam or kind of like a jam, but by and large, it's mm-hmm. all face climbing. It's you, you're not. It's all sport climbing. You're not doing any protecting it with trad gear. Okay, and it was fun. Who'd you go with? Uh, I met up with one of my best uh, climbing buddies in California, who uh, used to be a regular partner of mine in the gym, but unfortunately, he decided that uh, he should bail out of the Bay Area because uh, he he kind. Of, Owned his place, it's just like in a condo or apartment. Mm-hmm. Sold it for a boatload, and then uh, bought bought a uh, much much larger place for less money out near Sacramento. Okay. And uh, so now he's closer to the mountains and closer to the climbing, and I feel like enjoying it very much. I feel like that's great if you can have the work that permits you to do that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Unfortunately for me, my career is relatively tied to the Bay Area at this point. It's, as being a software engineer, this is like this is the mecca. This is where you are. Yeah, but except that you don't actually need to be here to write code. <laughs> I, I think it depends. I think for my particular type of work, um, there's a lot of person-to-person interaction, and so that requires in-person meeting. It's not. It, it doesn't work as well if it's over the phone. All right. But, I mean, I don't think anything works as well over the phone. Yeah. So that's, anyways, why, that's why this podcast is better in person. I know. I'm totally digging it. Like, this is great. Uh, so there was Jailhouse. Uh, did you... You feel like you grew? Are you excited? Are you going to push yourself? Are you going to get 13s? Are you going to go back? Uh, I am going to go back. I'm actually going back tomorrow. <laughs> okay. Monday is one of my days off, so I'll be back there tomorrow. Um, and, yeah, I, I got on a climb that I had been on, like, maybe two years ago one time. And uh, I enjoyed it quite a bit, and I'm excited to get back on it. It's got some f- cool, cool movement on it, and it's not too knee bar intensive, so... Um, I may be able to train for it a little bit in the gym. Okay. What's the rating on the climb? Uh, 13B. Fun. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. Okay, well, I wish you, wish you luck. Thank you. Um, I will need it. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's move right along. Uh, gym, uh, gym updates. I have some really important questions to ask here. Okay, fire away. Uh, I heard something. Actually, I didn't hear, hear something. I actually bought some new and improved dishwasher safe stickers. And uh, I was curious if, if you're as excited about these as I am. I mean, I didn't really know they were happening. Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, I think the concept makes total sense. Like, where do people put their stickers? I think the answer is on water bottles most of the time. So it's, I think probably in the South Bay, your Planet Granite sticker goes, like, you know, it's probably about uh, 45 or let's say 50% go on to water bottles uh, 45% go on to laptops, and the other 5% go who knows where. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, you you need both, uh, you know, you need your stickers on your water bottles and your laptops to be dishwasher safe. you got to keep those laptops clean. Are you going to put a sign up that says dishwasher safe? Probably not. Are you going to tell people? Uh, if they ask. Okay. Has anybody, I don't think we'll try to use it as a big selling point. Has anybody else other than me asked for dishwasher safe stickers? To my knowledge, no. Okay. <laughs> Well, I'm glad that I have some impactful change in a positive direction. Yeah. Um, okay, so this is this is actually something like all like kind of joking and kidding aside. Uh, last we talked, you were doing. Um, we were days away from the Peter Croft event, 
at Planet Granite, and you had told me uh, some great things about it. I actually was not able to make it. I had to work late that day, but um, I know I suck. But uh, but I had to work late, and so I missed the event. Tell me about the event. Well, uh, it went really well. Uh, we raised um, almost six thousand uh, oh, dollars from the auction and then uh with planet granite's matching that brings that up to almost twelve thousand dollars from the event um so you know it's, it's pretty significant there pretty awesome mm-hmm. uh and uh you know i personally uh from an organizational standpoint it was <laughs> relatively stressful for me uh trying to get things ready get things going um i worked a pretty long day that day Mm-hmm. And uh, but it turned out well, and uh, got some good donations to the ASCA, and a lot of happy people, and got to hear Peter Croft give a talk. And what did uh, he talk about? He basically kind of talked about uh, you know the changes in climbing and the, the his climbing roots and what 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 has driven him to be this interested and excited about climbing for his entire life and i think that was it was it was a really cool talk uh, and i've definitely heard him uh tell a lot of stories that uh i thought were like really really funny and interesting and uh you know he kept a bunch of those in the bag and okay um I so think, that means you gotta bring him back uh i would love to have him back and he, he can come by and give a talk at planet granite and i'll do all the work to make it happen uh, I'll do it every month if he wants. <laughs> I feel like I feel like now I have a new aspirational goal in life is to become that famous that Everton will organize a monthly event for me. But uh, I'm jealous of Peter Croft. He's pretty amazing. He is pretty amazing. I'll never be that good. Uh, well, I mean, it depends. You could be. No. <laughs> All right. All right. Um, so then you were telling me briefly that uh, you actually got to climb with him. I did. Uh, Peter uh, was in town... Uh, the next day, he had another event going on, so he didn't didn't leave town, and he uh, was interested in getting some climbing in. So uh, I volunteered my services as a belayer. <laughs> and uh, no, did you just belay or did you belay and climb? I belayed and climbed with him. Okay. Yeah, we kind of um, just uh, just did some top roping around the gym. And oh, really? Climbed a, a bunch of the same stuff. So just some top roping. Yeah, uh, he has not passed our lead test yet. <laughs> uh, which uh, I, I'm glad that I haven't been forced to give him a lead test, but we do have to do that for everybody. Okay. So uh, so I will say that I, I finally passed my lead test. You finally passed your lead like test? It was like several years ago that I passed my lead test, but I took it five times before I passed. Wow, five times. Yeah, I, there, was a, there was a lot of stupidity involved in that, where, like, I would go out and I would, like, try to, like, I'd go out in the morning and swim for four or for an hour, uh-huh. and then come in in the afternoon and try and climb. And, like, I'm pretty fat, and so, like, for me, climbing up the wall, like, having tired arms after swimming, I just, like, could not make it up without falling more than once. Um, and oh, this, okay. And this used to be, like, I, I passed the belay thing immediately. Like, I passed the belay within the first time. I just didn't pass the climbing for five. And the, the funny thing is, the person who passed me is known as the hardest person to pass. And that was, that was uh, Martin passed me on my, on my lead test. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So, so apparently, like, I, I, I finally earned it, I guess you would say. Yeah, I sometimes forget that Martin used to climb. <laughs> Yes, yeah, that's a, that's a common thing that people forget these days. But yeah, yeah, he passed me. He used to work front desk, too, apparently. I don't know. I know. I worked with him when I first started. Okay. It was rare, but... Yeah. Anyway, so you got to climb with Peter, and that was fun. Did, did he like any particular parts of the gym? Did he like any particular parts of the gym? Uh, no, I don't know about that. He likes the overhangs, and uh, so he was telling me that something happened where uh you know he got injured early on in his climbing career where and there was a point where you know he he couldn't climb overhanging stuff uh he was basically force fed a strict diet of slabs for uh an extended period of time mm-hmm. and as a result uh he does slab when forced to and uh otherwise loves like climbing steep overhangings or steep vertical stuff was there something on the crystal form uh, I don't, no, I don't think so. We, okay. we, didn't, we didn't climb on that particular feature. We okay. climbed uh, a bunch of other stuff, uh, and, uh. I would say the crystal is probably my most, uh, for lead climbing, it's probably my most nebulous. 
feature in the gym. Most what? Nebulous. Like, it's hard for me to define in, like, climates. Just scary. Nebulous. Okay. Nebulous is definitely not the right word, but that's the word I'm Okay, using. fair enough. I was like, it's barely there, and you can't quite understand. I can't quite, can't grasp, quite it grasp it. In my brain, like, okay, how to do okay. it. Like, it's just kind right. of tough. Okay, I get it. I get okay. it. But uh, you guys had fun. We did. Uh, I had uh, I had a good time. Tried not to be too much of a fanboy. Just just chatted about climbing. Oh yeah, I should uh, mention that I, I secretly I've gone full on fanboy for Patagonia. How so? I created Patagonia fanboy Instagram. Okay, okay. I also own PatagoniaFanboy.com. All right, I understand. You, how many uh, URLs do you own currently? That is a great question. I would say somewhere in the neighborhood of thirty. Thirty. Okay, and I, and a lot of them are jokes. A lot of them are like you, because so I have this hosting provider that allows me like to just host another domain for free. So all I need to do is register it for ten bucks, and so I will buy a domain for ten bucks and put up like a website that's a joke in like two minutes and like leave it up there and then just send somebody a link or like when they leave their computer unlocked, set it as their homepage. You know, so I have a lot of fun with that, and okay. I, I, that's the vast majority of my of my things. But if you're curious, you can go to my website, ZacharyC.com, and I have a section for, like, other domains that I own and what the jokes are. Okay. What, what would your goal be with PatagoniaFanboy.com? I would like to demo more of their gear. Like, I would like to somehow, like, somehow, like... Review their stuff enough to get to get the gear so I can demo it and, and find the ideal Patagonia gear for me. So the truth of the matter is, is Patagonia beyond just the gear. My my father's in clothing, and fashion, and he thinks that the Patagonia stuff is not very fashionable in his opinion. Um, and I I wouldn't say it's overly fashionable, but I I like the message of the company. Okay. Like I'm a huge Yvonne Chouinard fan. Fair enough. And uh, and you know I, I read I try and read some of the stuff that he writes because I'm I'm passionate about some of the things that he is. And I love the, like, what kind of company, like, would put out an ad? They put out an ad back in the day where they said, don't buy this jacket. And it's like, here, we're releasing this new jacket. But if you already have a jacket, why are you buying another one? Like, reuse. Like, use what you have. If you need a new one, this is a great jacket, but don't just go out and buy it. And the whole notion is, like, don't buy more than you need. And for me, that's a very hard lesson to learn. I, I've kind of grown up in a, in a life of surplus. I kind of have more crap than I need. And I'm trying to call it down and focus more just on the stuff that I do need. Fair enough. And Patagonia is trying to teach me that, I feel like. So that's why I'm a fanboy. That's good. Uh, I heard that Chenard was coming to do a talk in the Bay Area uh, very soon. Oh, really? You should look that up. Okay, I will. I I have not heard about that. I heard... I believe you can find information about it posted on the community board at Planet Granite Sunnyvale. Really? Yeah. I will have to go read the community board more detailedly. Maybe I'll, like take a picture of the community board every time before a podcast and we'll talk about some item on it. That could be, that could be a great segment. The Planet Granite community board. Uh, that would be interesting. I'll make a song. And we'll get Kevin in here to sing it. Like Adele. Okay. Sounds good to me. All right. So that was the Peter Croft thing and that's my Patagonia fanboyism. Uh, the question that I have about this and this is, this is an interesting thing is you had mentioned that you were in the process of um, trying to raise $20,000 that Planet Granite will match. Do we have an update? Because we're kind of nearing the end of the month. Is there any way for us to know how close we are to raising that? I that- have heard some numbers, and I can't confirm anything. Okay. But uh, what I have heard is that uh, the ASC is, a is close to $19,000 in donations so far this month. Okay. Uh, and with Planet Granite matching up to $20,000, we're looking at Almost reaching that goal of uh, getting the limit that Planet Granite will match to, okay. and then getting that forty thousand dollars for the whole month. So we're really, really close, and uh, just just in the like home stretch of our last little push, um, we'll uh, be hyping it up all this coming week, trying to get folks at the gym who haven't already donated or on the fence to uh, donate a little bit here and there because it all makes a difference and everything you donate is doubled by Planet Granite. So do the hat that I bought, the Planet Granite climbing hat, is that considered a donation or like what's the deal with that? Yeah, uh, those trucker caps that That's we've got the are... Uh, the black one is sick, by the way. You should totally get a black one if you don't have one. Anybody who's listening to this, go buy a black hat. They're cool. Okay. Uh, yeah, they're like $20, and $10 of uh, your purchase goes towards the ASCA, and those funds will be matched by Planet Granite. Cool. Yeah, no, I think I think that's a great thing. So I will uh, 
pass along some recommendations that we continue to to do that to people. I will tell people that they should donate. Yeah, and then anyone who's stopping by Planet Granite in Sunnyvale, uh, and I think actually most of our Planet Granites have a display up, but uh, yeah. we have the a... The Portland one did. Yeah, we have a little, uh, little layout of some older bolts, the kind of bolts that are being replaced that were put up in the 70s mm-hmm. and 80s. Uh, leaper hangers with these, you know, you look at the bowl and it's just like this tiny I, little. You're telling like, me you're, like, you're holding this thing that's like two inches or like an inch that people can't see. I looked at it. The, I will be fair. Like the old bolts, they look like they actually would theoretically hold enough based upon the force of the rock to be safe. So like I feel like they wouldn't be a problem. My concern is that over time metal rusts. And so like the stability of this is really the issue. So replacing them with these new bolts is great. I... After seeing the display, I still feel like I feel a little bit safer myself climbing on some of the older stuff than I used to feel. That's not very helpful to anybody, but I don't know if that. I, see, to me, that doesn't make sense because it's not like any of that older stuff is new. <laughs> like, it's not like they just put. There's like someone out there who's using those that older equipment and put it in last year. Okay, and it's nice and fresh. Any of that stuff that's in there is at least twenty years old at this point. I'm just saying, like, if I were to climb. 12 to 15 years ago on that stuff, I've, I used to have been very afraid, like thinking, oh my God, I climbed on this stuff. And now I'm like, oh, I look at this stuff, I'm like, well, maybe 12 to 15 years ago, this stuff wasn't as scary as, as I'm thinking it used to be. Uh, yeah, possibly so. I mean, it's not like these bolts that were in there didn't hold many falls. Yeah. They did. Yeah. Uh, they protected a number of people and uh, did a good job most of the time. Mm-hmm. But, you know, after 20, 30 years, like, there's... There's pieces like that that people have pulled out without even exerting full body weight on them. Just oh, really? Like, yeah, just like... <laughs> like you clip in, it's... Ah! Yeah, exactly. All right. So uh, I think that the work that they're doing going around and, and replacing those is is great, and hopefully the stuff that they're putting in will last a lot longer. I mean, so, it's supposed to. So, okay, so we have... You're saying, like, according to the math that you've heard, a thousand or a couple thousand left that we need to raise in order to meet the match. Uh, I would say, I mean, uh, the last update I heard was probably, you know, four or five days ago. And my guess is that we are, you know, just looking at like a thousand left to go. Okay. Um, are there any you last... Plan to, plan to do that all yourself? I, no. Maybe. No. Probably not. Okay. Probably not. Though, my company is fantastic. I love the company I work for and they do, they do uh, non-for-profit matches. But I tend to max out what they give out every year to various other organizations that I already donate to. Fair enough. Because I'm a big fan of, of just giving back. Plus, I mean, tax-wise, it makes a lot of sense, depending upon your income bracket, to, like, to donate. Um, but, okay. Uh, are there any last-minute incentives, like, last-minute things that you guys are doing to, to raise awareness or any, like, I heard some rumors of some stuff that may come up? No, nothing, nothing in particular. Uh, just okay. uh, be chatting with people, trying to show them uh, the things that they they could affect change in with their donations. Got it. Uh, and uh, I would say, you know, we had Battle for the Bolts in Belmont that ended at uh, 8 o'clock this morning. What was that? Uh, 12-hour overnight climbing uh, extravaganza. I didn't even know about that. Well, you should have. We had signs up in the gym for, for a long time. And was it like the Stuff past, on our website. Was it the past three weeks? Because I've been a little busy. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's been up for about six weeks now. Okay. Yeah. Is there ever going to be a battle for the bolts in Sunnyvale? I don't believe so. Because um, that sounds like a really fun event. Well, I mean, I think there are people who are interested in it. Uh, we tried to advertise and let people know about Battle for the Bolts in Belmont, and uh, we had people whose response was like, "Are you going to do that here?" And uh, you know, the you know the the team that runs the gym and the gym itself in terms of impact can only uh, you know take so many bigger events without oh, yeah. overly disrupting things and you know no matter how uh, cool one of our events is there's always people that are bummed out by the impact that it has on the rest of the gym so uh, you know no the, totally I mean to be fair like I the one another thing with the Peter Croft event one of the reasons why I like I I wanted to come to that one but there are reasons why I don't go to the block party or some of those things sometimes is because I'm overwhelmed by the number of people and I'm somewhat of an introvert like yes I'm extroverted at times but especially around people I don't know I get very shut in and so I get overwhelmed easily yeah it's also why I climb at six in the morning before anybody shows up but uh I think that's totally understandable a lot of times I feel the same way and um 
you know, we already have uh, Block Party and Friction Series, our two big uh, climbing competition, community competitions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then to also have the AICA fundraiser uh, and then some of the other things that we do uh, to also have Battle for the Bolts is... Uh, is really is really hard. It's not that it is something that we won't consider. We'll just need um, more. I think more manpower and more in- investment of time around it. You know, it's something to consider for sure. Like it, it's always super fun to bring these events to people, and pe- uh, there's always a uh, part of our community that's super psyched on any of the events that we do. I just want to throw out there that I would be volunteering to run an event staff. If you need an event staff person, I could, could jump in there as long as I you know get put on staff. Yeah, I understand. Anything you can do to get put on staff. I'm working hard on this, okay? Last week we talked about my rejection from the from the sending stuff or to whatever, how many weeks ago we talked about our jang. This is this is another attempt, but we'll we'll see if we ever get there. All right. Um, still exciting. I think I think a week left you can you can close that thousand dollars. I think I think that'll happen. I think it will too. I think people uh, see the impact and I mean the fact that we you know, with Ten days left in the month had made it to nineteen thousand. I, I feel confident that we're going to get the rest of the way. Okay, move right along. Uh, got a question for you. I'm going to the assembly next week with a bunch of people. Uh, I'm not a particularly strong. Cl- I'm like in the ten range. Um, anything that you'd recommend climbing this time of year in the assembly? I know it's cold, so I'm not uh, intimidated by the cold. No, it's not cold, man. This is perfect time of year to go. This is the time when the valley comes alive for climbers. I'm just saying, two years ago, like, I went... Why do you think Adam Andre is there right now trying to do stuff on El Cap? Like, he didn't say, like, you know what? It's getting cold. The season's ending. Let me go to Yosemite. He was like, oh, you know when prime time is to go to Yosemite? Middle of October to the beginning of November. I will just point it's out... It's perfect. Anytime it's not, there's not a storm in place... It's going to be fantastic to climb there. So the thing that got me is last time I went, I went two years ago, two or three years ago over Halloween weekend, uh-huh. um, and uh, they, it was the weekend that they closed down Glacier Point because there was a storm coming in. I got a great photo of uh, like from Glacier Point the last like, like the evening at sunset when it was closing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's I guess that's why like I see Glacier Point closing, I start thinking, okay, there was snow on the ground in that storm. Um, kind of expected to be snow around this time of year, and so I kind of feel like it's the end. But I guess you're. I guess I'm wrong. I guess no. I mean, you can climb in Yosemite Valley all winter long. Okay. Um, you know the the colder it gets, the more you move down valley and stay on sunny walls. Okay. Does that make sense? So uh, you know the valley. Obviously, you know it's the valley floor has a river running through it, and although it seems flat, it still slopes downward. So there's the eastern end of the valley that's kind of near Half Dome. Okay. And that's the highest part of the valley. Got it. And then it slopes downwards and downwards. And then uh, even after you kind of exit the valley and are just going along the Merced River, there's still a bunch of cliffs down there uh, with, you know, two, three-pitch climbs on them. Yep. Uh, and some very, very good climbing, like a, the high-quality Yosemite rock. Okay. Um, Arch Rock is all the way down at the entrance station uh, and is just a, you know, Catches the sun all winter long, okay. has some really nice Yosemite-style climbing, some hard stuff, and some uh, some really cool stuff as well. Um, does it have stuff that's going to fit my range? Because the other thing that I... I other... wouldn't I wouldn't say that Arch Rock does, but you don't have to be that far down. That's like January, February. Okay. It just snowed two days ago. This, this rock is going to be melted out and dry and warm. Okay. You know, in, in October, if it hasn't hasn't snowed recently, I mean, you should be going probably to Manure Pile Buttress. Okay. Getting on uh, After Six or Nutcracker. Nutcracker would be perfect. Okay. Uh, Nutcracker has a ton of history on it, too, so that would be really interesting. What does that mean? Uh, I mean, so uh, Nutcracker is like a five-pitch, I believe, five-eight. Uh, I've have only done it one time, and it, I would say that confidently that it's about 10 years ago. Okay. Um, but it's a 5-pitch, five 5-8, five um, and the first ascent, it was the first climb in Yosemite that was protected by uh, removable gear rather than protected with pitons. So previous to the ascent of the Nutcracker, they used to be hammering pitons into cracks mm-hmm. and then clipping them for protection and then taking them out as they moved past it. Now, uh, because, I mean, climbing in Yosemite, a lot of times you'll see piton scars, 
which are these boxy holes in a crack or a seam mm-hmm. that uh, the box is created because they had to use progressively bigger pitons as the size of the thing that they were hammering their piton into got larger and larger. Yep. So initially it started with a thin wedge and then they had to get thicker and thicker and thicker and they created these boxes and now some places you free climb on those like box shaped <laughs> cuts because your fingers fit in it now whereas no fingers would fit in before. Right. And uh, Nutcracker is the first one that was climbed, I believe, by um, by Royal Robbins uh, when he, you know, first was like, not it wasn't his idea entirely, but the idea had come to him that people are trying to trying to use equipment that they can take out rather than uh, hammering in pitons. So right. something that doesn't scar the rock, something they can take out with them. Uh, and protect a climb like this. And so the first, I'm pretty that? sure they stole, like, they just literally took hex nuts off of par- picnic benches okay. and tied some cord around them, and that was what they clipped into. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's why nuts are called nuts as uh, trad protection. So, um, Cool. It's, uh, so once again, it is that, cool. That is which climb? Nutcracker. Nutcracker. Nut. Cracker. Got yeah. it. Okay. I'll check it out. I'm going to run it by the people that I'm climbing with. Again, remember, as we talked about last time, these guys are way better than me, so it's like me just hoping to find something that I can keep up on. Uh, even if I find something like, so I don't know much about aid climbing, but if I could find a way to maybe aid climb up next and take some really cool pictures, I think I still have a blast. I think, uh, you know, if you're looking to do stuff like that, you want to do that. I mean, the easiest way to do that is on, like, uh, a... Like a single pitch climb mm-hmm. where uh, someone can like hang a rope for you. Okay. And then you can use a senders on the rope. And so you can practice your jugging technique, get that dial down, and then you can ascend up next to someone. Yeah. Um, and uh, I wouldn't recommend planning to aid climb anything in order to take photos of somebody until you have a lot of experience aid climbing. Okay. I need to learn how to get that experience. But we'll talk about that in a future episode because I'm really curious about that. Okay. That's high on my list of, of things. Um, sure. So aside from Yosemite, are there you know, other good areas? You mentioned Jailhouse. Are there other good areas this time of year oh, that you'd recommend uh, in the area? Yeah, I think the, the harder thing in California is to find places that are good in the summer. Okay. Uh, because, you know, it's, it can be warm a lot of the time. But then a lot of places get good in the winter. So like Pinnacles and... Yeah, Pinnacles is definitely, a, you know, it, it's a smaller spot. It's not as popular. I think it, its popularity is uh, mainly due to its proximity to the Bay Area. <laughs> That's fitting for our audience. Sure. Uh, you know, not too... It's less than two hours to get there from the South Bay. And, uh, you know, there's there's definitely some uh, some quality climbing there although the rock quality is a little bit questionable in places mm-hmm. or many places um but yeah pinnacles definitely it's getting to the season for that you really don't want to go there too much in the summer it's really hot um and then uh you know yosemite valley is prime right now uh bouldering in yosemite valley is really good uh you know some of the areas in tahoe are still in good condition i think bouldering in tahoe is probably prime right now okay um, you know, any of the, any of the cliffs that in Tahoe that are, uh, you know, difficult sport climbing, um, that are like in the sun, those would be, it would be good time to try and get up there before like it snows and close down. Uh, Big Chief, probably still good. Uh, I was thinking like Snowshed Wall, okay. Donner Summit, uh, places like that. Um, and then, you know, you start looking Joshua Tree is coming into season. Okay. Uh, Bishop is coming into season. So the Owens River Gorge is going to be good. I love that area. Like, I have not done a ton of climbing that area, but I'd really like to do it. So that leads me to actually a question I want to ask you. Mm -hmm. The book on Bishop is out of print. The book on Bishop. Are we talking Bishop Bouldering Guidebook? Okay. There is another Bishop Bouldering Guidebook out. Okay. Uh, And I have heard rumors that someone is working on... uh, reviving the the uh, Bishop Bouldering Guidebook that okay. we uh, are familiar with already. Got it. Because, yeah, I have, a, I have a friend who wanted to buy the book, and I was like, well, you can borrow my copy, but I think it's out of print. 
Uh, there, there's the the Bishop Bouldering Select guide that came out recently. Okay. And I believe we have a number of those in stock. Okay, I will check that out. Maybe use my member discount. Um, so, question for you. I'm going. Do you have a you have a favorite uh, camping food that you like to bring? Specifically dinner, because like breakfast is oatmeal. Like that for me is is oatmeal. It just works when I camp. Lunch can be a sandwich, but like what about a dinner? All right, I don't think you're gonna like my answer, because my main goal when camping is to not wash dishes. Okay. I hate washing dishes while camping. Okay. I think it's time consuming. It doesn't do. There's like it's not a good job. You don't do a good job cleaning your dishes. Um, I just hate it. Okay. Uh, so, uh, my favorite camping food that I like to uh, eat a lot, um, I would like avocado and tuna. And I'll essentially like take an avocado, mash it up, mix it with a can or envelope of tuna. You've seen the envelopes in the store now, like no, like I haven't. Packet. But yeah, okay. Yeah, so instead of a can, tuna comes. Are in they this, still like, very oily? Uh, I like it oily, but okay. you can get less oily versions. Okay. Um, mix it up, and you basically make a tuna salad, but it's just avocado and tuna meat, and then you can either eat it right off the. I so I will eat it with triscuits. <laughs> okay. Use Triscuits as a spoon. Use Cracker as a spoon and eat it that way. Um, or you can roll it into a tortilla. Interesting. Okay. So that is my, like, go-to camping food. Uh, Triscuits and avocado and tuna. And it works uh, super well for uh, making satisfying me and uh, satisfying my taste buds uh, as much as possible. I do. I bring it backpacking a lot, Okay. If, especially on shorter trips. If it's something shorter, I'll bring uh, something like an avocado that's, um, you know, higher water content and heavier. Okay. If I was going out for, you know, five-plus days, I would have to start thinking about having more compact food. Okay. And the thing is, there's no cooking in that, right? You don't even need to bring stuff for that. Exactly. No cooking, no dishes, so do you not bring a stove when you go backpacking? Most of the time, yes. Interesting. I only bring a stove when I'm going to be melting water for drinking water. Melting snow for drinking water. Interesting. Yeah, for some reason, I really like a warm breakfast. So, I, I mean, I really like... And I have a I, I mean, have a I think stove. that's a popular feeling, like yeah. having a warm breakfast. A lot of people are into that. I personally, it doesn't matter to me. So... Okay. Yeah. I did, you know, I, I don't know if I mentioned... I've probably mentioned last time. I don't know why this comes up so much, but I did a very long backpacking trip, like 23 days. Yeah, yeah. And I ate mostly dehydrated food mm-hmm. on that and didn't bother me in the slightest. Okay. Uh, last last question for my question series. Uh, what do you think about the renaming of the villages in Yosemite? I went up there and I was kind of shocked to see that... Uh, what used to be Curry Village is currently called Half Moon Village. And the reasoning is because apparently the company, they switched vendors for providing food, and the old company claimed a trademark on Curry Village. So they renamed it Half Moon Village. Yeah, actually, uh, the Delaware North Company, uh, when they lost the, the bidding, claimed trademark on a, a number of names for uh, locations in the park. And they also claimed trademark on the name Yosemite National Park. Yeah. Which is pretty interesting. I, I guess that the um, National Park Service is kind of fighting that one, but they have changed the name, at least temporarily, of a number of the other uh, yeah locations in the park that uh, provide housing. I guess like yeah. the hotel, the lodge. The yeah, the Iwani was another one that like is now the Yosemite Majestic or something like that. Yeah. Um, what do I think about it? Yeah. I don't care at all. Really? <laughs> yeah. I'm in no way attached to those names. I think the Awani is maybe the only one where I'm like, I would wish it would stay the same, but like, I don't care. Why? I mean, I think, to be honest with you, uh, climbers probably for the next like 20 years or so will continue to call them by their old names. And yeah. Then, uh, well, so the, the theory is. And uh, I don't know. I'll, they, they may get the name back. Like, they may pay or get the Yeah, they might again. get it back. But anyways, I, I personally found it a little vexing. I'm like, oh, my God, you changed the name. Like, this is history. Like, yeah, but okay, whatever. Yeah, I mean, it isn't. It isn't. The place is still the history. The name of it is 
yeah. doesn't really mean much. I mean, like Yosemite Valley, I'm sure, had different names back when it was inhabited only by Native Americans. Sure. I mean, still, the Awani for me is like, just like, it is token what that is. And Yosemite Majestic just sounds weird. So, in, in thinking about Yosemite and names, the thing that always comes to my mind is, and I don't know how 100% accurate this is, but I still like it, and we'll pretend that it's accurate. Um, but the uh, the folks that used to inhabit Yosemite Valley yeah, were, I think they, they super liked the place, as one can understand, um, and uh, they were rather fierce. And so the name Yosemite is... Uh, given by outsiders, so it's people other than the ones that uh, inhabited the valley. It's That's not the name that the tribe that was there gave to it. It was other tribes uh, referred to it as Yosemite. And Yosemite, in my understanding, means they will kill you. <laughs> now, I don't know how accurate that is. They will I, kill you majestic is the name of the hotel. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, I... Uh, I don't know how accurate that is, uh, but I enjoy it every time I hear it. Okay. I Thank you for sharing. That's, that's a great story. <laughs> I, I'm hoping it's true. <laughs> yeah. Um, moving on, training tip of the week. I think we'll do a quick training tip of the week, but uh, this will probably end up being longer than I anticipate. I wanted to talk in our rest series. Every podcast is longer than you think. Yeah, I'm okay with that. I think, I think I'm good with that. Okay. Um, I'm enjoying this conversation. Why you can't you can't cap the magic? You know you just gotta let it flow. the The question this week is rest during climbing. So like if you're on a climb, talking about rest on the wall or, um, you know, during a route. So do you have a question, or are you just stating what? That's the to- what that's our the topic, topic is. is this, and and I don't necessarily have a question because I I kind of prompted you with rest last time. And you said, well, there are like seven different areas of, actually you said there were three, but I'm exaggerating. Seven different areas of rest. And uh, one of them, you said the one that was most interesting was like rest while climbing. And I'm not sure what you mean by that, but I want to understand. And uh, I want to talk about it a little bit. Well, I, I mean, anytime you get on a route that is of any real length to it, right? So there's there's routes that are maybe three, four, five moves long where Every movement is just pure power. Okay. Right? And uh, it's completely anaerobic. Okay. And you, you're not concerned about the, you know, glucose levels in your body or anything like that. You just, you've rested sitting on the ground beforehand. And you just exert power as much as is required to do the movement until you get to the top of the climb. Yeah. All right? Um, and you don't have to worry about trying to regain any power. Okay. All right. Uh, but as soon as you start moving into climbs that are 10 movements long, 11, 12, up to climbs that are up to 100 movements long, hundreds of movements long. Yeah. Um, you're looking at having to try to be efficient, right? Like, yeah. Especially if you're, if you're climbing something that's approaching your, your limit or... Conversely, you might be climbing something that's well below your limit, but that you need to conserve energy on because you have other things that you're planning to do. Right. Uh, either that day, maybe you're just warming up, or uh, maybe you are. You maybe it's a multi-pitch climb, yeah. and you're just like, I have to be as efficient as possible on the first five pitches because I have to also do the last five pitches. Right. Um, so. Well, so I think for me the the current problem that I have is I'm, I'm again, only doing some good pitches in the gym, but there are some some longer routes. And my current, like, my at least up until about a year ago when I started working with a coach, my approach to solving the longer problems was climb faster, which is not great at all. But for me, it would work because I'd be putting less weight on the hands and I'd be getting up the route as quickly as I could. So climbing faster works to a certain extent, right? Like you, you found a solution and it's not that that solution is totally wrong. Mm-hmm. It just has limited capability. Right. That's right? the bigger issue with it. And you know, if you have movements that are too powerful, then climbing, trying to climb faster requires more energy. And so you burn yourself out faster. Yeah. Rather than if you 
are conservative and move efficiently. And so part of I think there's I think there's kind of like a couple main parts to resting on the wall. Um, the first thing I think about is what, before you even leave the ground, you either have done the route before and know what the answer is, or you try to read the route from the ground and figure out what the answer is. And, and the question that you're asking is, where do I rest? Okay. Right? So you ask yourself that question, like, where am I going to rest on this route? Are there and any- if you find that, you know, whether you find that answer from prior knowledge. Yeah. Or whether you find that answer uh, from reading the route from the ground, you know you're gonna you're gonna have to have an answer to that question if you plan to rest, because resting in places that are inefficient is not helpful. It can be counterproductive. So if I climb up and I get a bad hold, or I find even a decent hold that puts me in a strenuous body position, yeah. I'm actually burning energy while trying to rest. And, and I think uh, some people run into this issue where they're like, all right, I found this spot where I can let go with a hand and shake out and rest, but they've contorted their body into this position in order to stay stable and let and go with that hand. The and you burn out the rest of your body in order to just conserve a little bit of, get a little juice back in your fingers. Now, if you're in a situation where the climb is super, super fingery, finger intensive, and the moves that are coming are dependent on that hand, then maybe you do that. Maybe you trade some body energy, some core energy, some leg energy for finger strength. Right. But most of the time, you just want to use, you want, when you're resting on the wall, you want to just get back as much energy as possible, period, right? Because, right. you know, that energy that's available to your body is not just from that one muscle. It's it's throughout your whole system. So uh, if you're burning tons of glucose and, you know, that energy out of your bloodstream, uh, then it's not available for your fingers. Right. Even if your fingers themselves hadn't had to do anything for the last 20 seconds. Right. So we want to identify where we're going to rest, right? Find efficient positions to rest. That's like a good stance, a good handhold, whatever the case may be. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, you want to figure out um, how do I climb efficiently from one rest position to another. So I think for me the, the, the difficulty of the routes that I'm climbing make it such that I'm I'm kind of guaranteed a good rest every seven or eight moves most of the time. Fair like enough. if I'm doing a, if I'm doing Caesar D's, ten Caesar D's, like normally I'm gonna find a rest. It's about keying in on it, finding it and kind of looking at it from the ground. So that's that's not hard. What? Don't slap your knees. <laughs> Don't slap my knees. Okay. I was trying to, I like slapping the knees. No. <laughs> No, so I think for me it's like I can find it from the ground, but I think I think as I try and progress, I'm going to have a hard time with that. Okay, so then the next step, once you know where you're going to rest, is how do you rest on it? So you find that body position that uh, you know set your like resting is not just about stopping mid motion, right? So I'm climbing, right. I'm climbing, I'm climbing, and then I just make a move, and then I just freeze my body where it is and take one hand off and shake it out. But let's talk about what are the keys of that body position because I think we're talking about it so abstractly that we don't know. Like I, for me, the keys to the body position are one, try and keep my arms straight as possible, whichever arms are holding on mm-hmm. straight as possible. Try and keep my hips as close to vertical, like underneath that arm as, as possible so I'm not using core to pull in or core to push away. Like I'm just sort of relaxed. And then also get my legs in a position where they're not extended fully. Those are like the things that I'm thinking about. Uh, fully extended legs, maybe, maybe, maybe not. Uh, the more extended your legs are, the the more you kind of have to use your core to hold yourself in position yeah. rather than, uh, you know, using a little bit of like hamstring uh, and calf tension. Yep. Um, but that makes sense. I think mostly what you mentioned is exactly what you want to do. You want to have arms straight uh, if possible. Uh, you want to relax as much of your body as possible without falling out of the position that you're in. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, we mentioned this sort of whole body part of it. And it's like, if you burn energy in your core, you will probably need a probably need that later and B like, you're just burning the energy that's available in your body period. Um, so finding a nice 
as relaxed as possible position. That doesn't mean you can't like turn your hips and use your core to hold yourself into the wall. Right. If that is the most relaxed position. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, you may not have an option otherwise. So, uh, and then I think the other key is to don't be afraid to like reset your feet to shake out the other arm. Interesting. Okay. And so uh, I, you know, use your feet to support as much of your body weight as possible. You know, I see some people in the gym who they'll, like, get a big hold and they'll, like, throw a super high foot and then do a big back flag and then shake out that way or clip that way. And Mm -hmm. it's just, like, you know, like, there's feet directly underneath you that you could be using to support a much larger percentage of your body weight. Yeah. And I know you're strong enough to be in this position that you're in, but that's not actually as restful as you think it is. You're just being glamorous. Sometimes, yes. Okay. Yeah. So I think uh, the one the one interesting thing that uh, someone told me, um, one of my climbing partners mentioned this, that they had, they had seen it from some other source, is the idea that um, as you're resting with each breath that you take in and let out, you're trying to relax another part of your body, another muscle group, until if you were to relax one more muscle group in your body, you would fall off the hold. Right. Okay. And that's the position where you're you're getting the most back from your rest. And it's not to say that this is something that you can do without practicing and training your body to do it. Yeah. You can't just walk up there and be like, All right, today I'm gonna rest and have it feel super good the first time. You do have it does have to be something that you work on, something that you focus on, and uh and then you can actually utilize it to its fullest. So I think for me the the other kicker here is I also need to really work on lowering my breath. So I tend to, I, my heart rate tends to get elevated pretty quickly. I have a high resting heart rate, I think, from the athletics I've done in my past. And so when I get into one of these things, I'm doing just a little bit of climbing, my heart rate jumps up and I have to like, in addition to calming down the muscles and relaxing the arms, I get caught up in my chest with that high heart rate. I just got to breathe it out. Mm-hmm. And that for me is huge. Like I, I can still be burning through my hands, but if I find a place to like just sort of relax my lungs and like get my, myself to come down a bit so I can focus to the next bit. That's a, that's a huge win for me. Yeah. I think that when you're mentally breaking down a route and planning to rest, it, you can also incorporate that into how you plan to attack the route from like a, a memorization and sequencing perspective where you right, all right, I know that these are the eight moves I do to my first rest. Mm-hmm. And then I take deep breaths and I shake out a little bit and I look up and I remind myself what are the 15 moves I'm going to do to my second rest. Yeah, yeah. You know, something like that. Okay. Well, that sounds like a lot of fun. Definitely have stuff to practice there. A lot uh, of stuff. I will be, I'll be taking notes on that. Uh, as a closing comment, I heard that you b- recently bought six new pairs of climbing shoes. I have not yet. Oh. What, what's the deal with that? I heard you, you don't like the new, uh, the new Scarpas? Uh, well... I don't dislike them. I just don't think they fit me as well as the uh, previous version. Okay. Um, so I and a bunch of people I know who have a slightly different foot shape than me are like, oh, man, these are so nice. I like them. What's your foot shape? That Like do you have like wide toes or something? I don't know. Okay. I, I have Scarpa Instinct 2015 shaped foot. <laughs> and, okay. And, uh, yeah, I'm planning to buy a few pairs before they go away uh, and then uh, – Try to try to keep them in good condition. Okay, like resole them and stuff. No, uh, more like just try to preserve them so that they don't like uh, that they're still in good shape. If I am gonna break into a pair of them, uh, two or three years from now. Got it. So you're gonna try and like put the, remove all the oxygen from the air and like hermetically seal them. Yeah, maybe something like that. Okay, we can I talk probably about won't it. be hermetically sealed. I'm sure it'll be a, a Ziploc bag or something like that. I have a couple of ideas for this, but we can talk about it. Okay, sounds good. There's this thing called like they use nitrogen in in like wines. So like like you uncork a bottle of wine and you start drinking it, but the oxygen is really destroying the wine as you drink it. So in yes. order to seal it before you put it back, you put a little bit of nitrogen in there that pushes the oxygen out, cork it up, and then you know you're good to go. Yeah, I know. I. I'm I'm aware of how chemistry works. <laughs> oh, I forgot you're a doctor. Uh-huh. All right, I think I think that you got anything for me. I, I know I've sort of been. I mean, I would try to get you to stop slapping your knees, but it doesn't I work. I like slapping my <laughs> knees. I listen. Just be happy that it's that and not clapping. I am a excess, incessantly loud clapper from my many, many, many years of cheerleading, and like the knee slapping and the other, like that is not bad considering that I can clap loud enough to like throw this level off the wall. 
on the, you know, like basically like hurt everybody's ears. Okay. So just, so yeah. I, I will work on the knee slapping. I will work on the knee slapping. You you did a couple of these where you you were talking and then you turned away like this. And so I'm pretty sure we're gonna we're gonna have that in the in the podcast too. So we'll. We'll we'll work on that so that we're all we're all doing better. I, I put it down gently that time. <laughs> um, okay, uh, I think that that wraps episode number two. Uh, hopefully, we'll come up with episode number three. I think we're we're aiming. My goal right now is to aim for like twice a month. I think that's pretty good. Yeah, that's generally my goal with the podcast that I've been doing as well. I don't really have time for much more than that. Okay. So, anyways, thanks for listening to South Beta. I'm working on a cool new logo. Don't worry, it's coming out soon. Maybe I'll make stickers. Uh, that'll be dishwasher safe from the beginning. Um, thanks. Thank you so much for this conversation. I feel like I've learned a lot. I'm glad. Uh, I always have fun with it. You want to say your outro? Do I have one? Yeah, like the 200 and whatever. Oh, are we keeping a running tally? Uh, <laughs> the South Beta podcast. 215 pounds I still of think rock climbing power. I'm still pretty fat. <laughs> <laughs> I think it might still be 25. I think, All I, right. did the, I, think I did the math wrong last time. Okay, I'm just going to say my favorite. Right, Josh, oh, no, we're, four, we're 415 pounds. Yeah, you're, like, I'm 215 on my own. Oh, yeah, yeah. 415 pounds of rock climbing power. Rock jacks for life! All right, let's, let's. Uh, how do I do just this? Just hit the stop button. I don't know what to do.